Welcome to Rates and Barrels episode 130. This is a voice that you don't normally hear at the beginning because DVR is on vacation, well-deserved vacation. And today we've got myself, Eno Saris, uh, and Britt Garoli here on uh, Rates and Barrels Friday episode number 130. Um, and it is the 28th of August. And we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about uh, the Mets debacle. That's It's always a debacle. LOL Mets will never die. Uh, we will talk about uh, team sport and, and, and race. Uh, is baseball a team sport? And how does that uh, factor into uh, what happened uh, yesterday, the last couple of days? We'll talk about the trade deadline. And then we'll, talk, we'll finish up with a little bit of talk about borderline teams and what they should do uh, in this weird, weird trade deadline. Uh, but how are we doing on this Friday, Britt? How, how are you feeling? I, I'm feeling pretty good. I know you're a little nervous for this. This is a huge, <laughs> a huge uh, hole left here. Uh, by never, our, our friend Derek. I've never hosted before. <laughs> I know. Guys, off air, he was very nervous. Palms are probably sweaty. <laughs> Cannot confirm. Uh, <laughs> but DVR, I, I thought that please was come good. back. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was easy. yeah well uh let's just use my ineptness as as a host uh as the transition to the mets ineptness (laughs) because they just can't seem to stay out of their way um the what i'm referring to is just the dueling statements yesterday from brody van wagenen the owners uh, and I just I want to read Van Wagen is some of the Van Wagen is the GM statement because um, it just sort of explains the situation. So he, he writes, Jeff Wilpon called Commissioner Manford this afternoon to notify him that our players voted not to play. They discussed the challenges of rescheduling the game. Jeff proposed an idea for playing the, playing the game an hour later. I misunderstood that this was the commissioner's idea. In actuality, this was Jeff's suggestion. The players had already made their decision, so I felt the suggestion was not helpful. My frustration with the commissioner was wrong and unfounded. So <laughs> I love this, that he throws his owner under the bus. <laughs> uh, yes. I don't know where to begin. Honestly, yeah. you know, like you have the, the GM criticizing the commissioner. You have the owners of this team then talking about the GM and misspelling his name three or four <laughs> times in that press release. They hired Brody Van Wagen and can't spell his name right earlier. And this got deleted and not as much play because it was like the fifth LOL Mets thing on the totem pole. The Mets farm system account tweeted fire Manfred. And that, <laughs> that, uh, that also happened. Um, so it's so Mets. And, you know, I have this, I have the screenshot and I was not going to tell you, I was waiting for the on-air reaction. And it's, I looked up the account. It's blue check. It's verified. It's not some like wow. Mets with five numbers at the end. Um, it's since been deleted, but, um, to me, it was refreshing to hear somebody say what all of us have long believed that Rob Manfred does not in fact have the pulse of the players and that (laughs) no matter how many statements you send out, you cannot convince me that Brody messed up who said this. That's just what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think there was, there was an interesting reading too, that I saw this as just a straight, uh, Brody throwing the owners under the bus and protecting his butt for the next owner. You know, because they're in, they're going to be sold. And so he's kind of saying, you know, you know, he's trying to separate himself from his owner's ineptness. I mean, this, this is kind of unprecedented. I, the owner owns you <laughs> as a GM. Normally you, you don't ever say anything publicly as bad as uh, Billy Epler has it right now in Los Angeles, in Anaheim, sorry, Los Angeles, um, in Anaheim. Um, he's not going to tell you that it's his owner's fault. And it and I think it really could be uh, the two worst owners in baseball are Artie Moreno and the Wilpons, and um, which is a tough list to, to be on. There's some very serious third candidates there, so it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an it's an elusive hill. Uh. Yeah, right, and not one you kind of want to be on top of. But um, but in this case, Brody just 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 said no, no, Jeff Wilpons the idiot, uh, and, and I'm sorry, and it wasn't the commissioner. Um, so he's kind of like telling trying to get better with the commissioner and throw his owner on the bus and just hope he survives uh, the sale. I think. Brody says that he misunderstood um, Jeff uh, Wilpon, and someone suggested that Jeff Wilpon lied to Brody Van Wagenen and said it was the commissioner's idea. 
Yeah, this just seems like an awful lot of like covering up for what we saw on the hot mic was probably the truth. Yeah, right. right. Um, also, I think we probably missed a huge opportunity to start this show off with a hot mic incident. Oh, we missed a very, very big incident. <laughs> trying to make, exactly. trying to do my first hosting. Yeah. We could have started this off with a hot mic incident because it seems like 2020 is the year of the hot mics. Oh, um, really for those is. of us, for those of us using Zoom, your mic just assume it's always on. Just assume you're even when you're muted. Just don't ever say anything you don't want out there. There's this. I think there's, this. There's a big red light, and that red yeah. light is like makes my sphincter <laughs> tighten. The best part of this video, though, is that it's like Brody's like, hey, this is just between us three, right? Um, <laughs> while he's sitting in front of a microphone. Um, yeah. So I think everyone really needs to know. And there's a great story on our site today from Russin um, about how this all started. A University of Maryland student was like looking at the Mets website and found this video. That's how this whole thing started. Wow. Um, this video was on the Mets.com. The Mets apparently, posted the story. video. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is terrific. Um, I encourage you all to read it on The Athletic Today. Russ and Dodd did a terrific job tracking down the student oh who posted it. And it's right. It just keeps getting better. It just keeps oh getting God. better. Also, earlier in the day, the Mets released Brody brody's credit card information in an email to the media with his <laughs> credit card number and his what? three How like security code this? zip code he thought this assistant thought that they were getting a broadway tickets uh connection in fact they sent it to the entire mets beat so i don't want to make this an hour of piling on the mets because we only have an hour but you know <laughs> you could definitely oh. pile on the mets for the full hour if you oh wanted to i just God. i feel so bad they have great fans i spent a year in new york those people are so long suffering. They've got like they had this terrific statement from Don Dominic Smith about everything going oh, on in the world. It could and what we're talking about yeah. is the buffoonery. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think it's it's really actually instructive in a in a in a wins on the field sense too. Um, and and the and the kind of the things that you don't think are ownership are ownership too. So if you want to like just connect the dots to a larger problem here in, in, in New York, the larger problem is Jeff Wilpon. And the problem is like when you think of like, oh, Mets injury stuff or the way the Mets burn players, like the way the Mets burned Cespedes before they even knew where he was, you know? Yes. That's Jeff Wilpon. That's. That yeah. is Jeff Wilpon and injury stuff, like put some dirt on it stuff, you know, where they're like, you know, and there's stuff I can't even say where there, there are players that are like, listen, I'm injured, you know, and they're like, we'll give you 10 days and you'll be back just as good as rain, you know, and that's why they <laughs> always end up with these. They have terrible injury outcomes. If you just look at number of days on the DL and and just money lost to the DL, the Mets are always at the bottom. And, and, and it's the, it's the ownership. If you look at bad deals. Um, the fact that they didn't trade away Jose Reyes when he was he was going for a batting title at the very end. They could have gotten something for him at the very end there. Uh, they didn't do it because they wanted to have him win a batting title in a Mets jersey. That's meaningless to butts in the seats. It's meaningless to your wins. You know, it's meaningless. It, it means nothing. And um, if you look at some of the deals that are given out, I would say like something like the Albert Pujols deal in Anaheim don't necessarily blame the GM that signed it. You know? Right, exactly, exactly. Well, the Mets have Bobby Bonilla Day, so I think yeah. that right there is probably <laughs> enough, right? We all know it's on the calendar. They're going to pay him till the end of time. And I personally was a little disappointed. We saw statements from Manfred. We saw statements from the Wilpons, from Brody. And yet nobody found a avenue to blame Jonas Suspedes, which mm. to me just seemed like, you know, they would try to blame him at some point, right? Like they blamed <laughs> him before for opting out. So I it missed was up. Just so... I didn't see it was a hot mic. I was thinking about Cespedes <laughs> <laughs> and how mad I yes. still was at him. Um, Yo turned it on. <laughs> Yo turned it on. He's just off camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, also, I, I think there's something amazing about what happened um, on on Thursday, on Wednesday and Thursday in all of sports. But also, I think a, a, almost a little bit more amazing in baseball. I, you know, I haven't necessarily been in a basketball clubhouse uh, other than like when I played uh, basketball. <clears throat> but it's a smaller clubhouse, right? Like it's just 
there's fewer plate people. And so there's a little bit more togetherness. And the way that the, the sport is played in basketball is you have to, you have to interact with your teammates. You have to pass them the ball. You like, of course, they have some high-profile high dust-ups where one player says, oh, this other player doesn't pass me the ball enough. Right, I get that. That's like totally a basketball thing. But that gets figured out because you ha- there's only like five to seven of you to play regularly, right? And you have to figure it out. Baseball, man, it says it's a team sport. But like, do you think baseball is a team sport? Like, it, I think it's very borderline. In terms of how it's played, it's very one-on-one. Yeah, well, there are clicks, and I think the biggest difference is in basketball, you're talking about a predominantly African-American sport. In MLB, you're talking about 7.7% of clubhouses are black players. So there's definitely clicks, and it's it's kind of like a long-running joke. Um, When you see a player, or when I see a player who's African-American, I will usually ask him, oh, do you know so-and-so? And guys are like, yeah, he's black. So it's very yeah, much a small right. community, right? They all, they They're all tight. know each They're other. They're tight with each other, um, yeah. And this doesn't just extend to the players. This is like a small community. The, um, the Nationals traveling secretary, Rob McDonald, he's like, oh, yeah, everyone that's black in baseball knows everyone that's black in baseball. It's that small of a group. So I do think there are cliques. Um, there are certainly the, you know, you see the players who are Dominican-born or from similar countries, um, guys from Venezuela, mm-hmm. kind of like you know, click together. It's like a classroom or atmosphere where you have, you know, these little groups and some teams do a better job at being a team than others. And of course, every team will always say we're a brotherhood, but it really wasn't until yesterday when I see, you know, Josh Harrison from the Nationals, a black player, Reese Hoskins with the Phil- with the Phillies kind of sitting next to each other in a Zoom and really not just saying we're together, but showing we're together. And yeah. as you said, you know, it's, it's a team sport, but it's not. You know, there's a lot of different opinions. There's a lot of guys from a lot of different places. And I think those seven games that were canceled yesterday was a huge, huge moment. Even bigger, you can argue, than it is in the NBA. Because we've seen this in the NBA. They do a much better job using their platform. And, um, and, and the players themselves skew very conservative. You know, yes, uh, that's just a fact. Like I had a, 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 just a hilarious interaction one time with Zach Greinke and and um, and Dan Heron about uh, politics and baseball that uh, when we're at a bar sometime, I'll, I'll flesh it out for you. <laughs> but uh, just generally uh, things like when Bauer says, like, you know, 75 percent of my teammates are voting for Trump. Like, I don't actually doubt him. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is a very conservative clubhouse. So a, a very conservative clubhouse with cliques that are divided by language lines. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm trying to learn Spanish. Um, they're divided by backgrounds. Uh, they're divided by race. Um, and so they, they all kind of came together. And yes, there were, you, you heard some grumblings here and there about how the decision was made. Um, and, um, you know, there were some teams where they kind of just let their black player not play, uh, <coughs> Cardinals, um, Cubs, <laughs> yeah, and and said they had their back, but but just went out on the field anyway. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's some pressure on the Cardinals because they're so far behind in terms of games played. Uh, but I think that's also being uh, sort of friendly to their intentions, <laughs> uh, reading yes. it in a friendly manner. So. Uh, um, I don't know. I think it was kind of amazing that it happened. Um, and uh, this even linking it back to the Mets thing, I just think um, you see uh, ownership and management scrambling because the players just did this. You know, they just went out there and did this. Um, and I think actually no matter what you think the way forward is, that's when we get fractured. You know, um, I think there's a little bit more consensus that there is a problem. And, and, and it's hard for me to, like, imagine arguing that there is no problem when you have something like Dominic Smith crying uh, on a Zoom call. Um, right. Even right. if you I, yeah, even if we're fractured about how to go forward, like, it was amazing to see this unity in terms of making a statement about there, in, there being a problem. Yes. And the Mets Marlins, I thought, was very powerful. They go out there, 42 seconds of silence. 42, of course, to honor Jackie Robinson. It is Jackie Robinson's day today in Major League Baseball. Usually that's celebrated in April, but because of the schedule, um, it's celebrated today. And they have that moment of silence, and it's I thought it was handled so well. Then they, they drape that shirt that just says Black Lives Matter right by home plate, and then they all walk off. And I thought, man, this is 
this is how you use your platform, right? Like you said, whether whether you're divided on the problem or how to fix the problem or what's not playing one game going to do. Um, I think Josh Harrison from the Nationals kind of spoke about this a little bit. Well, Jackie Robinson was helped by Pee Wee Reese, a white teammate, when things got bad. I think for these guys, just knowing that it's not just the black players that think there's need, needs to be change is important. Yeah. Um, I think, and you know, this was mentioned a little bit yesterday, but the Players Alliance, which is made up of about 100 current and former players, uh, black players are donating their salary from yesterday and today to go towards racial inequality efforts. So they are putting their money where their mouth is. I know people say, well, what's this going to do? Oh, yeah. What's the talking yeah, going to do? What's this going to do? A couple millionaires took a day off. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> I encourage people to, you know, read up on it and, and see that some of these guys are really dedicated to not just talking about it, but also being about it. And we've seen a lot of guys, David Price, Joe Ross, um, opt out and Ian Desmond for not just for COVID reasons, but for these reasons as well. So there's a lot of guys who aren't just standing there and, and tweeting things and hoping they change. They're, they're trying to move forward. Yeah. For example, in the NBA, most of the teams have opened up their arenas as voting centers. Um, and LeBron has a, a, a fair amount of, uh, of voting, um, voting rights and, and, and sort of voting uh, initiatives on his, uh, in his history. So, um, that's something I just, I know about personally, but, uh, you know, I, I know that this isn't just, um, some sort of, um, attention grab, like really, like, right. do you think like baseball players need to attention grab? Like they, I don't think you've lived a day in a baseball player's shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they would rather less attention. I think almost all of them, uh, when they get to work, uh, have someone in their face about something, um, until the, the day is done. So, I mean, this, it was just an amazing, uh, couple of days, uh, w you know, where the, the players, uh, really, found their voice, a collective voice that I, I, I really respect. And, you know, one of the upshots of it is that we're just going to have a ton of games uh, today and over the weekend. Um, and, you know, uh, to some extent, that's that's a, it's like a fun. I, I know that, like, it might have been more powerful if those games had just been banged and, like, we never got those games and there was a serious financial hit. But, you know, baseball as a machine is going to keep going and they're going to play those games eventually. Um, and, uh, you know, there's some benefit for us, I guess, to sit down on Jackie Robinson Day um, and have a ton of games and and still talk about this. We're still going to talk about this all day today. Uh, but now we're going to do it in a way where, uh, you know, they're, they're playing baseball and we can uh, sidle up uh, to whatever couch we've got and, and drink uh, whatever beverage we'd like. And uh, one of the things that's really cool is that we've got these dugout mugs as a company that was started in a college baseball dugout. And what they do is they take the barrel of a baseball bat and turn it into a 12-ounce mug. Uh, I've got one, and uh, beer goes well in it. I can say that. <laughs> uh, and dugout mugs are licensed by uh, baseball. And your favorite team, you can have your favorite team laser engraved onto it. Uh, I wouldn't do that because I'm an analyst and completely, uh, no, I, I, I have a little bit of fan left in me. Uh, but it's cool. Birchwood baseball bat barrel, bat barrel mug that uh, that turns into uh, a beer mug uh, or a apple juice mug, you know. Um, and it's perfect for the game to put on display or be the life of the party. Unique gift for a baseball fan. Uh, check it out at dugoutmugs.com. The Athletic. Use the promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com. The Athletic. Uh, and the code is MLB30. All right, so, um, you know, the other thing that's happening this weekend, and it just seems so weird because it seems like the, you know, the, the season just started, but it's the trade deadline. Um, and, you know, I, I tried to look at, you know, which are the biggest holes, but one of the things that happened is if you look for the biggest holes, you find a lot of mediocre teams. So, for, for example, uh, the national <laughs> third base hole was the was one of the biggest holes in baseball they have the 30th best 30th best third base situation right now um so i kind of moved on from that and i i highlighted something like the braves third base situation indians outfield um what do you think is like the biggest hole because you can't just look at like the worst situation you kind of have to look at the best teams that have the the biggest holes so what, what do you think is like the biggest hole that needs to be filled right now is it the braves third base indians outfield is there something else i'm missing yeah, I think the well, the Braves are a good team, and I think that they've proven that if they just make a little bit of an upgrade, 
you know, there's a lot of mediocrity going on. Like we said, um, it's a short season. And I think for the Braves, adding that one piece could put them over the top. You know, we've seen, we know how good the Dodgers are. We know they're on some crazy pace and um, we know the Yankees are good, but they're hurt, which like, all right, cool. Anything else new? I mean, it seems like that's kind of their deal every year. But for me, I think Atlanta making that adjustment has a much bigger effect. Um, You mentioned the Nats. They're like the epitome of a shrug year like they won last year they look flat it doesn't seem to me that anyone really cares too much if they win or lose um (laughs) it's tough right because we're only on zooms but i think i've seen davy have set twice this year and they've both one's been over covid one's been over the um racial injustices it's never been like oh god the bullpen blew a game i'm so upset about this um i think they had their day in the sun and they're kind of moving on i'm more interested in like the that teams that are like the, you know, one move could help them. And I think the Braves are in that situation um, for sure. I think when you look at that team, they we know what they do, right? They're good. And then in the playoffs, they choke every year. So um, if you're an Atlanta fan, you're like, you know what? Let's roll the dice. It's a 60-game season. Anything can happen. Um, let's upgrade. Let's see what happens. You know, they're a good, solid team. And they've got a ton of really good young players. So, yeah, I would like to see them upgrade, I guess, without giving away some of those. They have some really good guys not just on their current roster you know you know about Acuna and Albies and their young talent but they're their alternate site um because their triple a Gwinnett was loaded yeah Yeah. just absolutely loaded so that that to me is what I want to see happen um in terms of contender for for Braves fans is that Alex Anthopoulos is at the helm and not Mark Shapiro I think one of the things that happened in in Toronto that we saw was that they clashed in terms of how they thought teams should act when they're winning you know Mark Shapiro goes and gets Taiwan Walker for almost nothing. But Taiwan Walker himself is just basically a fifth starter. I have some confidence that Alex Antopoulos might swing for the fences. You know, like he could get Lance Lynn and Kyle Seeger. And if he did do that, he would take two two places on his roster that are basically replacement level. You know, two places on the roster that are at zero and make them at least league average, if not better. Um, and if you just yep. think about that lineup with Seeger instead of Riley, if you think about that 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 playoff rotation going Freed, Lynn, Anderson, you know, instead of having to fill in with all these other guys that have flaws like Tuki Toussaint's command or Sean, Sean Newcomb's command or whatever it is. So I think, you know, a Lynn Seeger thing, if they did that, would be pretty amazing. And I'm not even sure that Lynn and Seeger would actually cost them anything more than something like Drew Waters. Uh, who is a, like a, a good, interesting, center field capable bat that has really bad problems in terms of contact and plate discipline. So not the not the biggest piece they could give up. That's Pache, you know. Um, and, you know, I, I, because Lynn is a rental and Seager costs 19 million next year. I, I think that those things are possible. Indians outfield is actually a tougher one for me because the Indians yeah. outfield has been bad for so long. And like a rental doesn't seem like the right idea here. What they need is someone to be good. So like, you know, I guess if if the Braves want to do like something like Pache for Clevenger or Plesak, that would make more sense almost to the Indians because they keep churning out starters. Do you think that the Indians should do something long term or just patch it up? And, you know, I don't I don't know what to do with that. The Indians offense in general is kind of sputtering. Yeah, I'm with you on the long term. And you do wonder, like with Plesak and Clevenger, um, are, do they want to trade those guys, right? Especially given everything that happened earlier in the year, the fact that they were demoted, mm-hmm. breaking team rules um, for those who who were kind of living under a rock. It was a huge deal. Um, you know, they sent them to the alternate site. And Plesak's I do think that... Yeah. And, you know, obviously his follow-up um, Instagram apology probably did not help. I do wonder and... and it seems like there was a little bit of this and scouts kind of wondered, was Clevenger starting just to trade him, right? Was he up here just to be shown off? And I think there's something to that. Um, what's kind of cool to me is to see some of these teams like the White Sox adding, right? They mm-hmm. get they get Jared Dyson from the Pirates. Um, you know, teams like the Padres are going to be in it. Teams like the Marlins have said that they're going to be guys, they're going to be interested. They're not going to be sellers. They're going to go for it. They're in second place. Um, I just looked, they're still over 500, um, which is remarkable. Uh, So I think that to me is going to be kind of cool to see, you know, is like these teams that 
probably wouldn't have been in it in a regular season now have a chance. So you might see a mix of short-term moves because, you know, are the Marlins really going to be in it next year? Probably not, but they could this year. So why not roll the dice for a few weeks? Um, not every team is kind of in the situation of the Nationals where it's like, ah, we don't really need to go for it. We just won. Uh, what would a playoff berth do to the Orioles? You know, would it rejuvenate a fan base? Would it help sell some tickets for next year? Uh, I think these are important things to kind of look at in advance to Monday. And I hope we see some deals. I do. Because there's nothing worse than like a dud trade deadline. Um, I hope we see some down-to-the-wire deals. Yeah, um, a flurry I, the last hour. I'm a little bit no? worried about that because – you know, what are baseball player, exe- baseball executives, like they're risk averse, right? Like they, right. you know, like one way, one way I put it is like when, when someone trades like a Mookie Betts or, um, you know, when they tr- make a big trade and they trade away a veteran, you know, it, it actually might make the most sense to trade him like almost one for one, you know, and just be like, we want that young player. Give us that young player. It never happens that way. You know, there's always three or four names in that. And why is that? Because they want all the lottery tickets. They want more chances to be right. You know, they, they'd rather not take the biggest swing and miss. And then everyone says, oh, my God, you got nothing for Mookie bets." You know? Right, right. They'd rather have, true. you know, a couple other names on that list to be like, no, look, we got this other guy down here. He's in double A. He's looking good. Um, and... Um, and, and, and this, this year is just full of risk. The risk is that, you know, everyone gets in the playoffs. So the risk is I sell something to, uh, I sell a long-term piece to buy a short-term rental and then I get into the playoffs and I have I lose two games and I'm out or three games. You know, like the, the first series are, are best of five, right? So there's right. just... I mean, yeah. What's Well, what's crazy to me, I don't know how I feel about this, is like, Teams trying to get these prospects when no one's had a look at any of these alternate sites. Um, for those who aren't aware, and I wrote this yeah. earlier the week, the scouts are not allowed at, at any ballpark this year, which to me seems a little silly. Um, they say it's for safety. I think it's really just the fact that Rob Manfred wants to kind of um, streamline the way all these teams run and have say in, in all of what all these teams do, whether it's minor league teams or scouts, but they're kind of flying blind and they have this data sharing system, which only 20 of the 30 teams are involved in. So if you're not sharing data with a team or even so, are you trusting if you're like the Red Sox, like what the Yankees are sending to you, you know, I don't know. There just seems to be like, a lot of a lot of interesting things at play here. Like, okay, maybe you're only seeing this one angle of this guy that you might want, and you're not seeing this. So yeah. I think that might hold up deals. Yeah, you can't trust data that someone's sending you, and even the video might be somehow manipulated or just be in a certain manner that doesn't help you the way you want. Like, um, you know, I've definitely, uh, you know, I know of of places that have asked for edutronic video from places, and they've just been like. They've gotten the wrong angle, and they'd be like, "Well, that's that's not what we wanted. We wanted on the release." And will the other team comply, or will they say, "No, that's all you get"? Um, also, this is news. I, I have asked around a little bit to to find out which teams are not sharing, um, and uh, I got a partial list from somebody, and it's the best they can tell. And it's uh, the teams that are not sharing right now are Colorado, the White Sox, Milwaukee. Uh, the Padres, Rangers, and Nationals. Interesting. Well, the Nationals are upset that they're they're very much a scout friendly team, uh, mm-hmm. so that doesn't surprise me. Um, we'll see. Then there, so that to me takes out a huge element. You're talking about, you know, that was a partial list, but it's apparently 20 out of 30 teams. I also heard, you know, from an executive earlier this week that some teams have just on the side agreements. Like for example, Arizona might say, Hey, we're not sharing with the Dodgers, but we'll share with this team because we feel okay with this team. We're not putting it in the data sharing system. So, um, it's just a weird, it's a, a weird time and you can, sit here all day and say whether scouts are important or not important and teams have different, um, you know, different viewpoints on that. But I do think, especially right now, um, having eyes on a guy, watching how he reacts, watching, like you said, his release points, certain angles, you cannot do that over a video sent to you by a team that's trying to sell you on something. And I think that's a huge down arrow on just not to be a downer, but like, it's just a huge down arrow (laughs) on, on big trades. Like, like, just imagine trying to put together a JD Martinez trade right now. You the the Red Sox are motivated to 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 get that money off the roster maybe, but 
the acquiring team has to now like convince his owner next year when you don't know how many people you're going to have in the fan is how many fans you're going to have in the seats if you're going to be allowed to have people in 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 you don't know what your income is going to look like next year i want you to take on 20 million dollars of salary and then the year after that as well and we got to trade some prospects here that we don't even know ourselves that much about because they just keep facing the same player, the same pitchers, you know, <laughs> like uh, exactly. Yep. You talked about this last week. The issue with like these guys only throwing outside, right. And only learning outside because yeah. no one wants to come in on their own players, which I thought was a great point. So you're not getting to see all of this. And to me, like what was the downside of just opening up the ballpark to scouts when they one affiliate and Philly is letting fans in at Lehigh Valley. But now it just seems to me like a very calculated way to marginalize them. Like, oh, we got by without them, so we don't need them. Um, and, you know, when you look at the last two World Series champions, the Nationals and the Red Sox, Mike Rizzo and Dave Dombrowski really believed in that blend, right? There's too much data to ignore. We know how important analytics are. But sometimes right. when everyone has the same data, it's that one little person who saw him or who said like, oh, I saw him, you know, throw a temper tantrum or, you know, that guy's lazy. Mm-hmm. He didn't show up for early work. Um, it's those little things that can matter, especially with these prospects and these younger players. So, yeah, those things, those things matter on the margins because there's there's a lot of talent and not always the players don't always turn that talent into success. Um, and, and that has to do with the kind of things that I think that scouting is almost mostly important with makeup. It's the hardest thing to scout. Um, because you, you get limited snapshots and it may have just been a bad day or whatever. But uh, I think it's the most important thing. Um, but first, uh, uh, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. And we'll be right back. All right. So we, we were just talking about, you know, how there may be a down arrow on, on changes and, and movement. Um, and um, I think that it's even more interesting when it comes to like a team like you were talking about, the Marlins. The Marlins have a 31% um, chance of making the playoffs. The Nationals, 19%. The Reds, at 45%. You know, these things, um, these teams in particular are have sub-500 uh, records, at least the Reds and the Nationals do, uh, but they still have a chance in the short season. Um, like, do you see them making any moves? Like, do you see the Nationals making any moves? Like, are the Marlins going to, buy and if they're going to buy like an outfielder or something like who would they buy uh, people are asking the reds about selling bauer but i think i think what happens with these teams is probably nothing yeah no you're right because like josh Hader in milwaukee is a great example they're like yeah we'll deal him, but we need the house we need everyone for him so you're just not going to see that that much so i think you're right you're going to see a lot of either stand pat complacency or you're going to see these deals that are just like meh whatever guys who are being moved who are the last guy in a bullpen or just adding some depth pieces so um i don't think there's going to be a lot of movement i kind of wish that there was because it's always exciting and fun to like be be on Twitter that final day and to see everything go down and uh, you know, all these guys change hands. But I don't think, I think for GMs, the risk is high and the reward is low. Uh, we yeah. don't even know if we're going to make it to the end of the season. I mean, me and you have made it a half an hour without mentioning COVID-19 this week. So I think that's probably a, a record for us, Only uh, two but let's not forget this week. That was, that was yeah. some good news. Exactly. Let's not forget that like there is always going to be that like cloud of mm-hmm. we get to the playoffs and a team tests or something happens. Um, so there's always going to be that as well. And that's and why think- they're that's why they're talking about having a, a bubble for the playoffs. Um, one thing that we that we were discussing was like the, the possibility that um, a that the bubble hurt ratings for basketball uh, because um, they had to play all day. They only had two courts. Right. Right. And so they had to play all day and they had to have games at like 8 a.m. on the on the West Coast. Um, that maybe that's not as much of a problem when you're talking just playoffs. Maybe you only have two games a day anyway. And maybe going into a bubble. Uh, they were talking about it maybe even in the final weeks going into a bubble uh, just to kind of preserve um, the integrity of the game, I guess. Like because you just don't want a team to like not make the playoffs because they got a COVID outbreak in the last week of the season. Right. Right. I think that part is hard. I don't know. I think that would be hard to do though. 
like over the last few weeks of the season, the playoffs, I think probably has to happen, right? Um, our colleague Ken Rosenthal said they're exploring sites. It looks like Texas is a site, potentially out in California is a site, um, which I think is probably going to be the way to go. During the playoffs in general, though, they do have some day games or four o'clock games a lot. You can do a four o'clock and an eight o'clock and you're still kind of appealing to a good chunk of the country. Um, so I, I don't think it's that much of an issue like it would be maybe in the NBA who had so many games. You know, they didn't just have two games. They're trying to squeeze in a lot more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how, though, in the regular season, the final few weeks, they can just bubble up these teams. Do you? Like everyone yeah, go to Texas. It seems like, that doesn't... Yeah, the playoffs seems like a clean break, right? Like we have a couple days. Now everyone get to this place and we'll, and like we'll change it up now, right? Right. Like you have to, you have to have some sort of clean break. Like that's the whole thing about the bubble is like, you like, honestly, you want like two weeks, right? <laughs> like that's what they, that's what basketball did. Like before you get in the bubble, like there has to be like certain amount of, of, um, of time to kind of make sure that you didn't just bring the disease into the bubble with you. <laughs> right, right, right. Like quarantine for a few days for sure. But yeah, I don't, I think it's impossible to do for 30 teams. Over the and even season. even with the playoff break, it's impossible to do, right? <laughs> because the playoffs yes. start like two days after the season. So, you know I, know, I guess you could test everybody and then two days later, they're in the bubble or something. I don't know. Um, they're they're going to have to think this one through. And if there's any, <laughs> if we've learned anything <laughs> from how the season started, um, they might not anticipate all of the the correct things they may not not get it right (laughs) no it's interesting and like i don't know if you saw this you know but so rob manfred spoke to the los angeles times two days ago or yesterday and he said like a, a successful season in his mind is getting through the playoffs getting to the world series you know no one getting sick and then seeing an owner with that world championship trophy and it to me, it's weird that he mentioned the owner. He being the works one. for the sh- owners, man. Kind of, yeah, kind of shows where he's at. Jeez. Um, but you know, that to him is a success. Is you know, the Steinbrenners or someone just holding that trophy at the end, um, getting just getting there is is going to be the epitome of a success. He said some interesting things in that interview. He also said that he feels like if they got rid of the minor leagues, that these prospect leagues, kind of like the alternate sites now, would perform just as well in terms of interest. Um, so it was really interesting. You kind of got a sense. We already know he's very pro owner and the sense of like where this is all going. Uh, but it does seem like all these little things, getting rid of minor league teams, not letting scouts in, it's like death by a million paper cuts in terms of like where we're now going. Um, Dude, I've, I've <laughs> talked to player development people and yes, the minor leagues is about de- like personal development, like getting better as a player without the sort of competition aspect, just like refining that curveball or this or that, right? But yes, that happens in the minor leagues. But it is also important to win, to learn to win, to learn to compete, to learn what works, you know? And you're just not going to get that from playing your own teammates over and over again. So, yes, I've also heard that when they cut teams, it's very likely that what ends up happening is the instructional leagues start to get bigger, right? So right. The, the supposedly the D-backs had like 75 people at instructional leagues um, last year. And that was the most, and people were kind of laughing about it within the game. But it may become the norm uh, once everybody, because everyone's going to lose either one or two teams, minor league teams next year. That's, that's right, what I've which- heard. Right, which it to me doesn't make sense either. It's the same thing as the scouts. Why not let if Kansas City wants two rookie teams, why and they think that's an advantage, why not let them do it? Right? It just seems to me like the game is moving towards this very like homogenized thing where every team has to be the same and that's not how you win. You have different payrolls, you have different analytics departments. No one is saying you can only have this many analytics guys. Why are we now capping players and teams and leagues. I agree with you on the win thing. Uh, Buckshaw Walter, who's former Orioles manager, used to be with the Yankees, said that in when they George Steinbrenner was alive, if you didn't win, you were in serious trouble. It was taken as like developing their foot speed, developing their arm speed, developing their sense of winning. And I do think that's something that's kind of getting lost here uh, along the way, that culture of winning. Yeah, you. I mean, like just think about a pitcher, like sequencing, 
um, is important. Like I, I know that some teams like don't even really game plan for minor league teams, for minor league games, um, and they just game plan at the major league level. Huge mistake. Because what? Yeah, like there are teams. Uh, should I out one? What? I don't know. I, like, yes. I, I heard that. Like, the, I heard that like, the White Sox did not see a game plan for their hitters or pitchers until they got to the major leagues. Maybe it's so different then, now. But wow. But like, like, why wouldn't you prepare them for the same process that they would do at the major league level? Then you right. like create a bunch of players that are like, nah, I don't. What like the, what the pitcher throws? Nah, I just get out there and, and feel it out. What? Wow. Then you're going to be behind the other people. You're already it, adapting to a faster game, better athletes. The yeah. the third deck in stadiums, outfielders from the minors talk all the time about how the ball plays differently in big league parks. They are already hit with, you know, they call it the biggest jump in sports, the minors to the majors. And to hear that, I mean, why would you overwhelm these guys? I mean, I know the White Sox are, are undergoing change right now. They fired a lot of minor league coaches and, and they're and they're trying to change things up a little bit. But And, and, and there, there's a, maybe a bit of a crisis of leadership because Kenny Williams is not necessarily very uh, pro analytics, you know. He's a very old school kind of scout guy, um, and I think that maybe some of this derives from his leadership. But uh, there, there is some change happening there, and generally, you have to tr- train people to win. And I don't think that what's happening right now is good for minor leaguers. <laughs> like, no, but I, I don't understand how, like, even though back in the day, like I said, with the Yankees, it was like, let's win. Like, that shouldn't be an analytics thing to be like, hey, let's try our best to win the game. You know, yeah, that should right. just be a, a thing no matter what you believe. Like, sometimes, like, and I hate to get on my soapbox, but it's like the whole participation trophy stuff. I mean, at what point is it like, we're actually trying to win here and compete. This is the big leagues, you know? Yeah, we're um, not just trying to gather team control, like years of team right. control, too. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is the issue I have with the data sharing. It's like, oh, let's all put our stuff. Like, uh, you talk to people in the game that aren't participating, like the Nationals, they're kind of horrified by it. Like, I thought we were trying to be better than these teams. Now it's like, here's what we have. Show us what you have, and we'll work together. Like, that's right. not how baseball goes, you know? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's share our notes. Let's share every Like, what? No, this is like I studied for the test, and I'm going to beat your ass. Yeah, but that's it's still kind of like. tough with you don't have the scouts in there. Like, you know, ah, and and you don't have play teams coming through your. If you had teams coming through your uh, your stadiums, you'd have data. You know, yes. uh, and the way that TrackMan worked at the beginning was data sharing. What happens is, like, if you're the University of North Carolina, you upload your data and you say to uh, you get you tell TrackMan, I'd like to get Stanford data. I'd like to get uh, you know teams that aren't necessarily in your league, right? You or I, or I want to get somebody from the SEC or blah, blah, blah. You know, like you kind of, uh, there was a data sharing part of TrackMan. So um, there, like data sharing, I, I'm, uh, I'm ambivalent on. I think you could do data sharing and still dice the data better, uh, look at the data in a different way, use it to better, to better, uh, in better ways. Uh, but when you don't have data or scouting and you can't even put a person in those, um, those parks, I don't know what you do, like, I, I don't know what you do. Like I like why would the Marlins uh why would why would like why would anybody really sell anything, right? Like why would anybody sell a real like I was thinking about Anthony Santander, right? Um I think he's a find for for the Orioles. He may not be around when the Orioles are good again. Um he's not necessarily maybe a foundational piece. In other years you might trade Anthony Santander for like like when they did like Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm, right? That sort of deal where you trade yeah. Anthony Sandander for like three or four pieces that you think, oh, we really think two or three of these are impacts. So we're kind of, we're spreading the the talent out and trying to get more of a talent base rather than just having Anthony Santander and that's it. Um, I don't think you can do that this year because you just have, you just, just don't know about these players you're going to get. You're looking Agreed. at old data and you're, and you don't have any scouting on them. So, right. Like team, like players with more than one year of team control, I just really doubt they're going to move. Like a guy like Danny Duffy, maybe he moves, but he's owed a lot of money and or fair, fair amount of money, and it's only one more extra year of control. But like a guy like Santander, like I just think he's going to stay put. 
No, you're right. And you, you kind of hit it on the head earlier saying the lottery tickets. And this year it's even worse. It's like blind lottery tickets. Like I don't even know yeah. what you're, you know, you don't even know what you're, you don't even like your odds. You don't like your chances. You've got nothing, especially if you're not sharing data and you have no scouts, like mm-hmm. some of these teams, you've got nothing. So I think they've kind of telegraphed it already, right? Like this isn't that important to them. This trade line's not that important to them. So yeah, they're just right. probably okay, say, right? <laughs> like I'm not sharing data and I'm not playing scouts. So why would, I saw this yesterday, like the Carter Kibu and people were like, oh, other teams like him. He's the Nats top prospect. They just demoted him. He was struggling at third base. Why would the Nationals trade that guy for an unknown commodity out there that they haven't laid eyes on they have no data on and they've got a young cheap kid that they really like they just they might trade him but they're not going to do it now they don't have anything to feel good about that return and mike rizzo is a former scout he's a scout guy he relies on his scouts he i just don't see them pulling any kind of move like that because it's literally like flying blind right now it is a lot of these teams teams are flying blind some of the teams on here are weird though that, that aren't sharing um you know colorado Colorado showed up on my list as having like four of the biggest holes in baseball of of any team that's like that has a 30 percent chance of making the playoffs. Right. So it's like Colorado, like you could get a bat with a capital B, just like a bat. I mean, they already kind of tried to do it with Matt Kemp, but like you could get a bat of any kind and place them anywhere on your roster and probably improve your team. And right. But they're not going to do any data sharing. So it, this this seems like a major down arrow on their chances of making trades. But then the Padres are on here. Maybe it's like what you're saying, right. too. The Padres are like, sure, we're going to make trades. We'll even give you data. But like, we don't want everyone to get our data. We're just going to give you data. But then, like, would you trust AJ Prowler, dude? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think that's the – I had heard scouts are sneaking into – oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I had heard scouts were sneaking into facilities and I had like three or four guys that were like, hey, is that Preller? Because it just sounds like him. He's just, just kind of shady. Scouts are sneaking uh, in. <laughs> yes. Of course they they're are. They're sneaking in. And they're going to home facilities and the home team is like making them a coach or whatever. Just to, like that's easy. But they're also sneaking into opposing facilities to get some eyes somewhere. Oh, and, to, to self-scout? To self-scout? Yeah, like, yeah, like, are you dressing up as the fanatic? Like, how are you getting into these Dude, stadiums? That is, no, but, but see, it's self-scouting, self-scouting is something that, of course, happens. But if they're in a coach uniform, that that that's when, like, a player starts to get really paranoid. Yeah, I know. That's, so course, there's all this Who's stuff. that dude over there? Yeah. <laughs> who's that dude exactly. over there? He keeps looking at me. Yeah. Is he a there's coach? all this shady stuff. Coaches are supposed to help you get better. Scouts are supposed to evaluate you. That's a very different thing. <laughs> I know. It's like, are they? Do they have like a little camera on their hat? You're starting to get a little paranoid. Oh my God. I mean, I know, but like, I'm gonna be almost asked for this because they Why decided. Why didn't they let scouts in, man? You wrote that story, right? Why didn't they let scouts right. in? So they allege that some owners were, and I heard this too. They put it up to a vote, and some owners, I mean, some clubs did not want scouts in there. Obviously, some are more pro scouts than others, but they said. Hey, MLB said, you know what? It's not a comp- it's a competitive disadvantage if some people let their scouts in and some don't. Okay, again, with the participation trophy, this is not an even playing field. If Ed's, if the Royals want their scouts in, the Nationals want their scouts in, and the Yankees or the Astros don't, that's on them, right? Like why, again, why are teams being told how to run? They are private entities. Why are they being told that employees they're already paying they're paying these scouts already why are they being told how they can use them that's i think really what's an unfortunate trend under manfred is now being told like this is what you can do this is what you can't do with your team and i think it's bs that baseball couldn't unilaterally say you have to let scouts in i mean the the stadiums are huge and there are multiple entrances you could just have a scout entrance right Right. if you're talking about covid right you just have a scout entrance, and then scouts only interact with scouts. Like when I went, I only went once, and I'm I, I don't I don't know if I'm going back, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but when I went, I only interacted with PR and other writers. That's the only person that I was within twenty feet of, you know, uh, except for Dallas Braden by accident. Uh, but uh, we were yeah, I was accident. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, you had an accidental thing. So did I. I was accidentally yeah. in the elevator first day of the season with a bunch of the Yankees. I took the elevator to the wrong floor, oh. and I was I almost passed out. I'm like, oh God, here comes Stanton and Judge, and some, I think maybe Gardner. They're masked up, and I'm like, oh God, they're tier one. You could have had like know. the we're, only we're, in-person interview of the year. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're tier like 85. You know, oh, media. Yeah. we're not even allowed in that so, elevator. Make scouts tier 86, you know, like make them have their own bathroom and their own entrance and like find a way to get them in the state. Like, like even if you put them in the outfield, yes, that's not they'd, they'd grumble and they'd be annoyed, but they'd be in. Right. They'd have binoculars. And as you know, scouts don't sit next to each other in the scout section. They've been socially distancing before it was cool. I mean, they were always kind of like, <laughs> you know, like I'll it. take this seat. They don't, no, want, they don't like they, sitting near each other. They don't want anybody to see their what they're writing down or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. Oh, wait, well, can I hear about the Dallas Braden accidental thing? Because I got oh, the no, elevator. I, I was lost. Uh, I just couldn't find out where I was supposed to be. And I turned the corner and I'm like, Dallas. <laughs> and he's like, whoa, buddy. <laughs> Good to see you, but stand back. <laughs> Over there. Yeah. Isn't it so funny? I like. I was like, I can't get in this elevator. They're like, oh, it says four. You can get in. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to lose my job because I got into an elevator with a you know a bunch of Yankees I by have, accident. I haven't gotten it was into an elevator with someone uh, since February. So <laughs> Yeah. I was like sweating, you know, and I'm like, what? If, like tomorrow they say the Yankees have a COVID outbreak. What if I'm a carrier and I don't know? Like, all these crazy scenarios. I better go get tested. Going through my, <laughs> going through my head, you know. And it's like oh. 2020. I see a player, and my first thought is like, "Get away from me! Ah, you're tier one." You I know? get like, nervous around the Yankees yeah. anyway because they're all like eight feet tall. <laughs> also true. I'm like, these are monsters here. I mean, they're probably not even breathing the same air as me in the elevator. That's how much taller they are. So I guess <laughs> it's fine. There, there's no <laughs> risk of transmission. They're up there. <laughs> oh all right well we're, it's gonna be a fun fun weekend um there will be trades uh maybe not the the biggest ones in the world but uh, i'm watching the braves in particular to see what they do uh maybe the a's will get a starter but uh we we get to watch uh trade deadline we get to watch so much baseball double headers galore um so it's uh it's setting up to be a fun one i hope uh you have a great weekend Uh, And if you are enjoying this show on a platform that allows you to rate and review this podcast, please give us a rating and review. Uh, Tell us especially uh, how you think about uh, the Friday episodes. They're a little bit different than the other two um, and uh, will allow us to kind of tweak the format if we need to. Uh, We really appreciate that. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off at The Athletic slash Rates and Barrels. You'll get my articles, you get Britt's articles, uh, Ken, Jason, everybody, Mark, uh, Carrig and Andy McCullough and just, I don't know, like all of my favorite writers are here. Um, and, uh, you know, you got uh, league-wide, team-by-team and the fantasy side. As always, you can reach us uh, by email. It's rates and barrels, spell the, the and out. Uh, rates and barrels at The Athletic. Um, and uh, that'll wrap things up for us. Yes, great job as a host, Eno. Please rate Eno's hosting. <laughs> we want to see it. Thanks for listening.